Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 175 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, live from an undisclosed location that is not my home in Atlanta, and joining me on the podcast one day late this week, so, and I, by the way, that's my fault, not my guest's fault, uh, joining me is Eric Cole. What's up, man? It's okay. You can blame me. It won't bother me, you know, like, you know, I'll just make up some reason why I couldn't do it last night or something, but, you know. <laughs> it's, uh, no, this, this one's on me. I, I did... Tell people, you know, I, I thought people don't always follow my Twitter account. Um, so I, I let people know that it was going to be a day late. And listen, the Braves didn't play today. So it's basically like it's arriving on time because you're not missing anything. Um, the Braves it's were, like an extra bit of Braves content. Yeah, just, just, a day, just a day late. But it's, it's Monday evening. It's about, eight, it's about, I guess, what, 9 o'clock Eastern as we're talking at this yep. point in time. It's 8 o'clock where I am. But uh, yeah, not too much going on and nothing really happened today. So uh just act like this is Sunday, and we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah. Uh, we'll just pretend. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the, the games and what happened this week. There was not a ton of just news outside of Ender and Tiarte coming back. So I want, I want to start with Ender coming back after a long, long absence as sort of the only headliner of the week. There is some trade deadline stuff that we'll touch on in a minute, but not really anything new on, on the rumor front. So let's, let's start with Ender. He came back on Thursday. He started, which scared some people, including me a little bit, but I, I did say at the time, and a lot of people said this, you know, as long as he's not starting all the time, it's totally fine. And uh, he sat Friday and Saturday, started again on Sunday, which is fine. Um, if he's going to be used as a part-time player, I'm okay with that. But what what did you make of him coming back? Obviously it was going to happen at some point, but they elected to go with the the larger bench and they went with the, the smaller bullpen. They uh, got, got a little bit creative. They sent Kyle Wright and Tukey down on Thursday after the game and then called up Wes Parsons and uh, talking shot favorite Patrick Weigel. Um, well, I mean, first of all, I was obviously very happy to see Weigel get called up just to get, I mean, he didn't see any action and, you know, there wasn't anything really to it other than just a kind of a call up on paper where he was around, but you know, he's a guy that we've liked a lot for a long time. It's really nice to see a guy who hasn't, has an injury and kind of comes back and works his way back to getting to the major leagues, uh, from a guy who follows prospects a lot. It's just always nice to see that happen. Uh, Parsons is always, is a fun story too, just because he went from like an undrafted guy who, you know, got called from like an independent woodback league to, you know, actually making the major league roster and has seen time in the major leagues. I think both those guys could feasibly be helpful in the bullpen this year. You know, they're, they're not like slam dunks or anything like that, but they're both guys that we like a lot and, you know, hopefully that they can contribute. Uh, obviously, Weigel got sent back down. Uh, he's a, you know, He already kind of announced that he's kind of heading back. But, you know, it's a tough thing with Ender because on the one hand, I, I him being in the lineup as a bat kind of makes me cringe in a lot of ways 
it's not as bad against righties as as right against righties and against lefties, but it's still kind of cringeworthy. But Austin Riley has not looked good at the plate either, so it's not like I feel like there's a like someone that like he was like if if Austin Riley was doing what he was doing that first month he was up, and they brought they, you know basically sat brought back Ender and you know he was taking a significant amount of playing time away from Riley then I would obviously be more outraged but if Riley's struggling and you know they're trying to you know play some matchups a bit and you know trying to showcase Ender a bit whether that be for a trade or seeing if they can get some real value out of him you know trying to recapture that second half magic that he seems to always conjure then you know I get it it, it was it wasn't it wasn't something that like made me go oh god here he comes you know but at the same time, he doesn't look particularly good at the plate. It was nice to see him draw a walk earlier, you know, like this week. But <laughs> but when I, when that when that's the bar of what my excitement should be, then maybe I'm wondering why this guy is, you know, in our lineup that's been really good. But at the same time, you know, Austin's not exactly lighting the world on fire right now. He's kind of hitting that, you know, the, the league has adjusted to him, and now he's got to make the adjustments, stop swinging out of pit, at pitches out of the strike zone and kind of make them throw strikes. Because uh, right now he's really pressing, trying to do some things, and he shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's, I, just, that's kind of how I feel. I have some, I have some, I guess mixed and kind of scattered shot thoughts on on NCRT. Number one, he he was always going to come back, so this is always going to happen, and they were not going right. to just bury him. Like for my my big thing that I've been talking about offline with people, and not really so much on Twitter, is that NCRT is owed some serious money. Like he can't just be like people are talking about him as someone that you could just like get rid of, and you can't. I mean, maybe maybe they, maybe they could trade him for nothing at this point in time, but he's owed seven million for next year and eight million for the for the twenty twenty one season with a club option after that. And the club option is whatever, but he's owed fifteen million dollars over the next two seasons after this one. So you can't just cut him. You can't DFA him. Like you have to just that was always going to be a part of the discussion with Enciarte is that you're, they're going to use him. And obviously, defensively, we saw even in his little stint of time over the weekend, he's useful defensively. Um, obviously, Absolutely. That, you know, he's, his defensive prowess is not, he's not quite the guy he was in, at his absolute peak defensively, I don't think anymore, but still, he's a good, he's a good defensive outfielder and um, is the best defensive center fielder on the roster. So that is useful. Um, on the other hand, you know, you talked about Riley. It's, it's important to note, I, I probably should talk about this last week, honestly, when we talked about Ender a little bit coming back. Riley, in the last 40 games, this is since June 5th, um, and I honestly didn't notice until earlier this last week uh, how bad it was, but the last 40 games, his slash line is 211, 269, 408, which is a, a 677 OPS. That's pretty brutal. And granted, it's 160 plate appearances. It's not that big of a sample size. But if you, you, know, if you didn't know that he was just murdering the ball for the first couple weeks he was up, he's been uh, ordinary or worse since then. So... You know, having Riley in the lineup every day is interesting. Uh, I do think that you know I'm always on record, and I think I'm consistent with this as much as I possibly can be. That a prospect of his caliber, you want him playing every day wherever he's playing. I'm not really in favor of like platooning Austin Riley, but you know it's okay to not play him every single day right now with the way that he's playing. Um, there were some people calling for him to be maybe sent to Gwinnett for a little while to clear his head. I wouldn't like scream and yell about that if they did it because I think him playing every day is important and that's probably a better option than him, you know, toiling away in some weird part-time role. But I still like playing Austin Riley. He still has a lot more, you know, raw upside talent than NCRT does. But 
They do have some other options. I mean, they have Charlie Culberson, they have Matt Joyce, um, they have Adam Duvall, who is a famous option lingering in the minors, who I know you and I have been pretty high on Adam Duvall, for, even when people hated him a year ago this time, when people were just really mad at Adam Duvall. Um, yeah, they really, really hated him. And now, he I mean, great, it's Gwinnett, but he's been great this year, and you know, we'll see. And honestly, you have Marquecas, who is playing every day that probably shouldn't be playing every day. Like He's certainly an option that should be in the lineup more often than not with the current roster construction, but Marquecas has been bad against left-handed pitching this season. So if you want to start shaking it up, I think Snicker is... He has the ability to do that with the talent on the roster when you have guys who are platoon heavy in you know Enciarte and Joyce and Marquecas. Unfortunately, those guys are all left-handed batters. Um, and Riley... Yeah, that does make that a little trickier. And Riley's the other side, and Duvall is a platoon-ish option as well, but he's still in the minors. So the only guy you know is going to be in the lineup every single day is Ronald Acuna, and everybody else is kind of a mixed bag. That can be a good thing because you have good depth, but you have to rely on your manager to, to maximize it and all that stuff. But you know, back to NCRT real quickly, I do think he's very useful. Um, if he had started against Patrick Corbin, I would have probably driven back to Atlanta and lost my mind. Um, <laughs> so as long as he's not playing as left-handed pitching, it's okay. Like if he's starting... Every once in a while, or you know, even semi-regularly against righties, I'm okay with that as long as it's not coming at the expense of Ronald Acuna, which it's not going to, obviously. So, you know, using him properly is very, very important. But NCRT does help this team. I think in some ways the hate's almost gone too far to the point where he's almost underrated. His bat is what it is. It's not a good bat. I don't think he's as bad as he was early this year. By the way, I do think he's a slightly below a league average bat, like which is where he's been the last couple of seasons, like a 90 WRC plus kind of guy, not a good hitter. He's the worst hitter in the lineup. As long as he's hitting eighth in the lineup, it's just, it's totally fine uh, with his defense. He's a useful piece, but he shouldn't be playing every day. And I think, I'm, and I, I want to say, I'm definitely encouraged by the quotes from Brian Snicker and the way that he has deployed him so far. He played two out of four games. He was basically not being treated as an everyday player. And as long as that's not the case, I'm, I'm okay. And he definitely helps this roster. Yeah, there's definitely positives to having him. Um, having a guy like that who can be a defensive replacement in center field and doing, and who can also play center field because I mean, while he was hurt, the options backing up Ronald Acuna were. Rough. Yeah, it's non-existent. And I, by the way, I, I wish they would. I wish they would have, and I wish they would continue in the future to try anyone but Marquecas in right field. That's part of the issue here is that they don't let guys like Culberson and Camargo play right field. Like they, they have to try somebody else there, um, so that if it's so that if Marquecas is not a primary option, like that, that's I guess the one minor defensive snicker is that they haven't really played anybody else there. So I'm not sure who they would want to play there. Like every once in a while he'll take the day off and it's Camargo or it's whatever. But extended period of time, we're at the point now where Marquecas probably should be kind of platooned. Like it's not not maybe not full stop, but I guess left handed pitching. You, you would almost certainly rather have Culberson or Camargo in right field, wouldn't you? I mean, it seems like it's pretty obvious to me. I don't know. Yeah, and I just think that in general, considering what happened in the second half last year, and we've kind of seen it, it was actually fairly hysterical for me that we there was like a period before the All-Star break where like, please give Marquecas days off. He hasn't been hitting well. Then they give him days off, and like there's a segment of fans and whoever that are like outraged that we're sitting Nick Marquecas, you know, per, you know perennial civil civil silver slugger and gold glover <laughs> he sits for two games and then he comes back and he's hitting pretty well and everyone's like see this is the guy we took out of our bat and i'm like you gave him some days off he's older just give him some time I we're mean, not saying cut the guy we're saying give him days off so that he doesn't fade in the second half because we need the 
look, if this pitching staff has taught us anything is that we need all the runs we can get our hands on. I mean, he's hit right this year. I mean, full stop. Yeah. I mean, Marquez offensively has been better than I thought he was going to be this year. He has a 109 WRC+. Plus. That's very solid. It's just more splits than you than he's had in the past. Like his his WRC plus against left-handed pitching this season is sixty four, which is bad. It's a small sample, very small sample, which I, I understand, but it's not been good. And if you factor in his defense, which I, I know the Gold Glove thing is a thing, but no metric thinks he's a good L-O-L. defender at this point. Like there's not a metric out there that says he's a good defender. So we can argue about this all day long. Uh, you know, at the very least, he's not a game-changing positive. Uh, that's that's all, that's all I'll leave it for now. It's not anger everyone. Um, I think he's a negative, but if you want to say he's just fine, okay. Um, but he's not he's not NCR in right field. He's not he's not a big positive in right field. So I, I'm all for playing him more often than not because his bat has been good against right-handed pitching and really good overall. But you know you have other options who are I think we can probably say with some confidence at this point better hitters against left-handed pitching than Marquecas is, and that's Culberson and Camargo. And if Duvall was on the roster, he would be too. Um, all those guys are better against lefties than Marquecas. I, I do still think um, Marquecas is, I guess, the right-hand starting pitcher is one of your best three options in the outfield. So yep. starting him, he's, he should still start more often than he doesn't, given the current roster constraints. But I think the easiest way to give him rest and keep him fresh, as you're talking about, is to just not play him against left-handed pitching. He's still going. He's still going to pinch it. We all know that Snicker's going to hit him in every single game to keep his to keep his streak alive. And because he's a good hitter against right-handed pitching, he's going to hit in every game. But I think it's a very very easy solution. It doesn't have to be foolproof necessarily. But you know, against Patrick Corbin, he just should sit, and that, that's fine. It's not an indictment of Marquez, and I, I think they want him out there more than we want him out there. But he's played pretty well. I mean, his his overall numbers are not great, like, war-wise, because his defensive metrics are not being treated well, but as a bat in the lineup, he's been just fine. Uh, should he be hitting fifth? No, he shouldn't be hitting fifth, but he's still one of the best eight hitters on the team. Uh, so having him in the lineup regularly is still a good idea. It's just, he needs to be sparing, as you as you said, against left-handed pitching, and just giving him rest, keeping him fresh, um, and we've seen that. I, I mean, it's anecdotal, but I think we can probably all agree. Maybe not all agree. I know a lot of us probably can't agree, but I think you and I can agree. Um, having him out there every single day without fail is a bad idea. But still, more than, more often than not, he should be in the, he should be in the lineup. I will say this, which has been high comedy for me. I've probably, and this might just be a symptom of like the people who choose to engage with me, but I've probably heard more people openly say that they need, we need to consider not starting Josh Donaldson every day, which is than Nick just... Markakis. And Donaldson's been in. I just don't understand what games people are watching. Yeah, like, I, I, I think it's cooled insane. off. I mean, maybe not. I, I, I have seen. I it's think still Chris, there. I think Chris Willis uh, retweeted a couple of people that were crazy. It's still there. I do think it's cooled off considerably from where it was two months ago on Donaldson, yeah. where people have started to see the light, maybe get a little bit quieter. But at this moment, he's second only to Freddie on the team in WRC plus for the season. And he's already sitting at 2.9 Fangraphs War for the year. Uh, yeah, he in, passed Freddie in July. Yeah, he's passed Freddie in he's, he's passed Freddie in War. He's a little bit short of Freddie in just pure offense. Um, but yeah, I mean, he he's been excellent. We don't need we don't need, need to talk about this. Um, the guys who should be in the lineup every day. I mean, if you're resting Donaldson, it's it's to rest him to keep him fresh. It's not to platoon him. The guys who should be in the lineup every every single day, unless you're giving him a day off for rest, are Acuna, Donaldson, Freeman, Albies, Swanson. Those guys should play 
every day unless they're resting to keep them fresh. Those are the five guys who need to be in the lineup every day. And, and even Dansby is honestly an open question because I mean his bat's kind of cooled off. Yeah, a it's bit just because he's a shortstop. I mean, there's not yeah. really another option there that's better than him. Obviously, um, I agree. Like giving him a day off every once in a while would not be a bad idea. It's just a situation where you don't you don't have an option that's comparable to him to play. Sure. Um, sure. But I'm with you. Yeah, I, I agree. Like the top four are the pretty clear top four with the way that Ozzy's been playing recently, um, and Dansby just gets that because he you know has the combination of solid bat and good glove at shortstop with nowhere else to play, nobody else to play there. And then you, you play Culberson, but he, he's a step down defensively pretty clearly from, from Dansby. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty easy. And I think you see, obviously, the catcher spot. You just mix and match those guys. And everybody else plays whenever it's advantageous to play them. I mean, I was going to ask you about the, about the bench. Are you okay with running this bigger bench now that Inserte is up there? They've been going with this bigger bench now. I'm on I'm on board with that and go with the shorter bullpen. It's, it's a tough sell in some ways because the bullpen is not a huge strength for you, but you have so many guys who are major league, definitely major league players that cutting bait on one of these guys, is, that, it just seems weird. Like there was some talk about Camargo being optioned down. You know, he's too good for that, but I I, I understand why that's being said because he's the only guy with options. Uh, Matt Joyce has been good. Um, Duvall can't even get up. I mean, they ha- they have kind of – it's a good problem to have to be pretty deep on your bench, a problem that they did not have last year, as we famously chronicled throughout the season. But are you okay with this deeper bench and kind of just rolling with an extra guy on the bench now? Uh, I'm fine with it just because the Braves have a AAA affiliate that's really close. You know what I mean? You, if you need to make roster moves up and down and get that Gwinnett shuttle cranked up, and you know, like they they, they can even they, if they need to ro- like rotate guys in and out, they have enough of those guys where like they don't have to worry about like you know like calling him uh, one guy up and then you know sending another guy down and then all of a sudden you kind of you run into like those weird roster restrictions. They have enough guys where if they need just arms, they can probably do that. It kind of stunk that you know we had Grant Dayton you know break his toe because he was playing catch with Chad Zabatka and that was know. weird, man. <laughs> we yeah, were, I, I mean, like, it, I, I about last week, but that was strange. Yeah, I want to know what the story was there. Like, was he like trying to run down a ball that Sabaka throw, or did he stub his toe on something? I think you need to report I, that when you're uh, when you're down at the ballpark this week. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm heading up there tomorrow. I'll, I'll, I'll ask. So, what exactly was the injury? Because it seems kind of a strange one. Um, you know, they have the arms that they can rotate enough to keep guys fresh and just to have some fresh arms in the bullpen. It's not something I'm super concerned about. And, you know, since Weigel's already come up, he, you know, he could make that move again later on, you know, once, once he's able to come back up and, you know, there's just, there's ways they can do it with, while still having fresh arms in the bullpen and having this larger bench, which kind of gives them more options. And I hope they utilize all these options. Yeah. Using the options is is important, (laughs) but, uh, We, having I, them sit there is not very helpful. Right. I'm not going to go down the snicker uh, rabbit hole today. Uh, I do think that we will learn about him in the future, more in the future, considering all the options that he has at his disposal. This is now a tougher team to manage than it was in the past because you're not just filling up lineup card. At least you shouldn't be filling up lineup card the same way every single day, um, which can challenge the manager. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, but you know, it's, it's a good problem to have better baseball players. I, I will say this. I understand wanting to run out your quote unquote best guys against like, this is a weird stretch where they have the, the Phillies and the nationals coming up again. Sure. I get that. But this two game set against the Royals seems like a prime opportunity. Yeah. I mean, give, give some playing guys, some playing time, some other guys. It is a delicate balance. Like the guys like Donaldson who you're just, you're literally just giving rest to, because there's no argument to not have him in the lineup unless he just needs a day off. That's a little bit trickier. It's the situations where you're talking about platoon edges that becomes um, a little bit easier, I think, to navigate. Like, 
giving Austin Riley a day off against a right-handed pitcher every once in a while, giving Marquecas days off against left-handed pitching, um, maybe stick Culberson in there every once in a while just to get him going a little bit. So, I mean, it's not a exact science. And I'll be the first to say that, and it's no. these, are, these, are, these are tough decisions. Um, but you know, having having depth is a good thing, uh, and, but it, needs, it just needs to be used effectively. And we will we'll definitely see uh, how that goes in the near future. That's, that's probably the best, best best way to say that for now. Uh, but Ender, part time player, and that's uh, the way it should be. That's probably the best way to put that. <laughs> yep, I agree. Um, okay, we can. Uh, in fact, we're going to take a break right this second. And we'll come back with uh, more from Eric in just a few seconds after this short break from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Eric, we're back. And um, before we get to some content on the actual games that happened over the last week, um, the deadline's coming. Uh, it's about, what, eight, nine days away now. No yeah. real fresh rumors since last week. Uh, same cast of characters. There's been some innuendo on guys, but no real reporting that I've seen. Anybody any, anybody, or anything you have, your, you have your eye on, necessarily? I mean, obviously all the focus has been on pitching in some ways, but, you know, like, what's the biggest need, in your opinion? Um, who's your favorite target? Anything that you wanted to, like, throw out there on the rumor front? Because it's kind, of, it's kind of dead, but it's also getting so close that we have to talk about it in some way. Well, yeah, so the my overall thought is I am not particularly enthused with this. The guys that we know that are available, that trade market is not something that really is, has me enthusiastic. Like, let's go get this guy. Like, the, the, guy, the teams that, that you you would want to get that are obvious sellers. A lot of them were obvious sellers last year and they got rid of a lot of their assets. And then you have a few guys who are available, you know, whether it be Mike Marcus Stroman, you know, the Tigers have a few guys, whether it be Shane Green, or if you're looking at a guy with some control of Matthew Boyd, you could look at Seattle and, you know, squint your eyes and see some guys that would be interesting there. There's a, the, the problem is that there's so many teams that are buyers right now that what I worry is that the rentals that would be, there, there are definitely guys that are upgrades for this roster. And again, I think the only real needs that need addressing are at, possibly in the rotation and definitely in the bullpen. And it seems like there's enough traction to this idea that the teams that are selling are trying to sell package deals to increase the return. And that would include, you know, like a starting pitcher like Stroman and then a guy like Ken Giles or a guy like Bumgarner and Trent pairing it with Will Smith, et cetera, et cetera. I worry that if that's the case, combined with so many teams being in contention, I mean, basically three-fourths of the National League is within shot of a wild-card spot. 
and combine that with American League that isn't quite as bad, but still very, very thick with contenders, that I worry that the bidding for those types of packaging, that packages, just might not be worth what you're getting back. It might be, I think that a lot of these guys are small upgrades. And as a result, I mean, yes, would I think Matthew Boyd be a, a, an interesting piece? Yes, I also think he's going to be very expensive. And, you know, there's there's talk of, like, Marcus Stroman wanting the the, the, Jay, the Blue Jays are trying to get the Chris Archer-type package yeah, back for him. That. Weird. And, and I'm it's just like... I mean, it's kind of funny that that reporting um, caused a lot of people to, like, reply about Chris Archer not working out for Pittsburgh. And it's like, okay, that doesn't really matter here. Um, obviously, he's been bad in Pittsburgh. Um, but that doesn't mean that Stroman would be bad. Like... I, I, they were not comparing the pitchers. It was it was comparing the return for him. A, Archer commanded a big time return when he was traded. It was kind of a surprise how much they were able to get back for him at that at that point in time. Stroman's a good pitcher. I mean, same with a lot of these guys. They are upgrades, but it's a good it's a good and kind of ever um, ever present question right now is like what's it worth to you? Because you know the Bra- the Braves could be a World Series team this year. Like very possible. I've talked about this at length on the, in this space and other places. I think the Dodgers are clearly better than the Braves are, but you know there's definitely an argument. It's being made all over the internet. I think Jeff Schultz wrote about it. Uh, I believe I believe today. Like when you're when you're this close to theoretically being on a push for a chance at a title, there's an argument that you just go and you go all in and you know responsibly go all in. But you have to be active when you're this close to a title, and I totally understand that. And you have to weigh that against the the notion of prospect cost and, you know, control of the guys that you're acquiring. If you're acquiring rentals, then it's just for the season. Um, and that's, you know, that puts some pressure on yourself in the, in the moment, because if you don't win and honestly, I mean, just reality states that the Braves kind of know what, no matter what they do, they're not like, they're not likely to win the world series. You know, the more likely outcome is that they're not going to win the world series. That's just the nature of the beast. When you're talking about pretty much any sport, especially in baseball, um, they could add, you know, Max Scherzer, would they, would they be the World Series favorite, like more than 50%? Uh, probably not. I mean, maybe. Maybe he'd be close, but he's not. They're, 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 they're not they'd getting certainly Max be among them. Yeah, they'd be among the favorites. I mean, oh, like, they I would be, like but I, I mean, like 50, like 50, 50% or more is, my, is what I'm saying. Like, yeah. you know, kind of whatever you do within reason, because they're not going to get someone as good as Max Scherzer. That's just the extreme example. Uh, whatever they do, it's going to help them, but it's not going to make them a 80% chance to win the World Series. So there, there's risk here regardless. So that's, that's the calculus here. It's who are you, you going to trade for? How much control do they have? What are you willing to give up? And in the trade market, the team that gets the player usually overpays because there's usually a bidding war. And yep. the team that wins the bidding war usually overpays. Now, does it usually, um, at the end of it, does it always mean that you've overpaid in retrospect? You know, three years from now, is it going to look like an overpay? No, but in the moment... If you win, quote unquote, a bidding war, that means you traded the most for that player, in theory. Anyway, unless you're doing with the Marlins, because uh, the Marlins are weird. Um, but other Indeed. than that, um, you would think that you're giving up a pre commanding package, whether it be to the Giants or the Blue Jays or the Tigers or whoever else, or the Rangers from Mike Minor, like whatever it is. Um, you're probably paying an, an, an uncomfortable sum for someone. Like it's not going to be 100%. Usually, unless it's the uh, Dave Stewart trade and with the Diamondbacks, there's not going to be 100% approval rating from the fan base. Somebody's going to think that, that you gave up too much. But when you're this close to a title and you project to be a 95-win team, there's a real big argument to just go and make a move and make yourself better because this is not a foolproof pitching staff at the moment. No one, no one, th- no one. I think that's the one thing almost everyone agrees on is that the pitching staff needs an upgrade somewhere, whether it be rotation or bullpen. That's kind of the debate, but everyone is on the same page that they have to get better to win the World Series. Yeah, and. 
the again, I can't stress like how difficult this trade market is because there are upgrades out there, but like some of them are fairly marginal. You know, you can squint your eyes and say, I wonder if maybe the, the Braves could make Marcus Stroman better. You know, obviously Madison Bumgarner has this playoff resume that everyone seems to quote ad nauseum and ignoring the fact that the pitcher of who he is right now. Not and, the same guy he was when he won the World Series. Well, and World Series plus, he, plus he has that no trade clause that he negotiated into his contract so that he could negotiate with the teams he'd be trading for. And while you might be wanting the rental Madison Bumgarner, what he might want is if I want to, if you want me on your team, you're going to have to extend me. And you don't want to do that. <laughs> and probably. you don't want to do that. At least, so, at, least at, mar- at least at market value. Obviously there's a point where you'd want to do it, but – that's right. you know he's a he's the most famous person that the Braves have been linked to. He's also a rental, and there's as you mentioned, there's always things in play. So like you have the guys who are probably more marginal upgrades, like Stroman or Mike Miner, who's a polarizing figure. I think he's just good, but we'll see. Um, the guys who are like that, who are not as good, but they're under control for multiple years, are really appealing because if you're the Braves, you're still a young team. You're you're not going all in like you're not this last last hurrah kind of team. You're trying to push in your chips for this year, but knowing full well that a lot of your roster returns next year and you have a lot of young players and flexibility to where the control really helps you. So it's a really complicated thing. And without like full full, full blown rumors, it's hard for me to be like, yes, trade for X player because you don't know what it's going to cost. Um, we could just kind of talk about in theoreticals, but Bumgarner is... That that one's just super complicated, but they they all are in different ways. I mean, it's the Reynolds versus the multi-year guys, and how much better is Marcus Stroman than the Kevin Gosman we saw yesterday? And all, all these questions that you're getting into, and it's they're a lot they're hard to answer. I mean, it's kind of well, funny as as analysts, it's like okay, tell tell me who they trade for, and then I'll tell you how I feel about it. But that's not that easy. Well, see, and that's the thing, right? Like, case in point is the Cleveland Indians, right? They have this Twins team that's come out of nowhere and was thrashing them to start the year. And then you start thinking, maybe you could get them to part with Trevor Bauer. Now, that's an arm that makes a big difference. And now, does that make you World Series favorites? You don't really know, but he's a guy, he's a frontline starter. I mean, some people can call him ace if they want to. I think that's reserved for about 10 guys in the league, maybe. But he's a frontline starter. And he's owed some money, so you'd think that the Indians, with their payroll constraints, combined with the fact that they seemed like they were going to be falling out of that race, that you know he would be a guy that you could feasibly target. It would require it would require a significant prospect return on for, for the Indians, and that's something that you can entertain. But now they're only three games back in the, the AL Central, so you don't even know if that's even a possibility. And combined with the fact that they're going to get Corey Kluber back from that broken arm from like a horrific line drive that he took which like, was genuinely kind of gruesome to look at and w- watch it unfold on TV. But you look at the options that are available, and you know, do you honestly mean like, I think that 20 teams are going to be calling the Tigers and asking about Matthew Boyd. They should. And He's not an ace, but he helps you, and he's under control. Like It's just what it is. And you're also banking on a guy who has a half a season of a breakout year, and you ha- or you're going to be against 19 other teams to get him. How much of an upgrade is he? He's under control, absolutely. But what are you having to give up for him? Like, you're probably going to have to give up one of your top three prospects to get him. Do you really want to give up Drew Waters for Matthew Boyd? Do you really want to give up Christian Pache? For I, I, I don't think so. I mean, the, the reporting from the, from the local guys, I think it was Gabe said this that it, if, if they had to guess, Pache is the one guy who would surprise him if, they, if he was traded. So it seems like maybe Waters and Anderson would be the guys you would use if you were looking for a, a top tier trade package. But Matthew, if if the Braves traded either. Waters or Anderson for Matthew Boyd, people are going to revolt. Um, oh, absolutely. And, but at the same time, there are other people at the other end of the spectrum no, that, go, that are saying that it would be, they would be fine with 
the Braves trading Drew Waters for Madison Bumgarner, and they do not think it's an overpay. No, that's silly. It's just silly. Yeah, I mean, but do you, do you see what I'm saying? Like, it's just like this this perception of value and like the market value for guys like Waters and Pache is very high. The, the biggest the biggest thing with Bumgarner, honestly, and the divide with Bumgarner is people that are thinking a that think he's still the pitcher that he used to be, and b that are really, really, really valuing his postseason experience. I'm using quotation marks. And that, I mean, that, that matters. I mean, the guy's been incredible on the biggest stage, and you, you can't discount that in full. But I, I'm not paying the triple premium of a top-tier prospect for that guy for, for three months of that guy. You know what I mean? Like, if he, was, if he was still the pitcher, if he was the pitcher right now in the regular season that he was in his absolute prime, then yeah, you give up that kind of prospect because he's that good. But there's nothing in the, in the recent past that tells you he's still that pitcher. Like, m- maybe he finds it again because he has the pedigree. I'm not saying he can't find it again. I'm saying he, you cannot treat him in a trade hole as if he is the prime World Series Mount of Mesmer. Like, maybe he has it, maybe he doesn't, but he's, he's, he's not that right now. There's no, there's no evidence of that. I'm sorry. There's just, there's just not. And so that, but, you know, it's, it's, it's the perfect storm of he's, he's just famous enough where everybody has a take on Massimum Garter. And they're just, they're, they're envisioning the guy who was the hero of the World Series because he was. He was, he was legitimately heroic in that World Series. He was incredible. But that, that's a long time ago, man. Stuff, stuff, stuff changes in baseball. He's not that guy anymore. Yeah, he gets older. Like these things happen. Father, father time is undefeated, and he had to throw three games in that World Series. Has had multiple has had multiple injuries since then, and hasn't been the same guy in terms of velocity, peripherals, or any of that stuff. You know what I mean? Like if all he that was under control. If he, if he was under right. control in the way that Matthew Boyd is, or that even Mike Miner is, I, I would understand it a little bit more. But he's a rental. I mean, and he's it's he's a rental. It's just the reality of the situation. You cannot pay. Drew, if you think Drew Waters is as good as some people do, including people on our staff, if you think he's a top Indeed. what fifty prospect in the baseball, is that too low? Like, where, where do you have Drew Waters in, in baseball? Well, he, right top, top fifty seems fair. If, if you think he's that, you don't pay that guy for three months of Bass Bumgarner in twenty nineteen, because Bumgarner again, he's a very solid pitcher. He would really help the Braves. Like, no one's saying he wouldn't. Even in his, you know, he's cooled off in the last three seasons. He's still a guy with an ERA in the mid threes. Like, he, he's still a very good pitcher, but. It's a lot, man, for three months. It just is. Look at the price that the Dodgers got Manny Machado for. That's really all. It's like that's that's that the the Dodgers gave up a top one hundred guy and like a couple lesser prospects, and that got them Manny Machado. And Manny Machado is a lot, a lot more valuable than Matt Bumgarner. Yes, a lot, not close. Like I'm sorry. I mean, I know people don't like Manny Machado and have have had takes on him, but the the in his prime position player. Is a lot more valuable than Madison Bumgarner. I'm just—it's not even really a discussion for me. Um, so, and, and and to your point, like the Dodgers got—you know—the Dodgers paid less than Drew Waters basically for for, Matt, for Machado. Pretty much, yeah. A year ago. Um, so we'll see. I mean, that's one scenario. And Anderson's the other guy who is the. Those are the two guys that seem to be like the the, the top chips that are available. Pache seems to be at least according to the report, and the guy who the Braves are not are, are not wanting to trade. And I mean. Eric, let me put it. Let me put it this way. I'm asking you now, since we're we're uh, giving our opinions. This is a podcast format. Okay. Is there a player that we know is available that you would trade Drew Rogers for? That we know that is available. That we know is available. So Stroman, Miner, Boyd, Bumgarner, one of those guys that we that's widely available in trade. Would you trade Waters for any of those guys? No, I wouldn't. I didn't think. I, I, I thought so. I mean, and again, Bo- Boyd I, is the closest, just because of the amount of control you have over him. And if you firmly believe that 
what he is right now and what his breakout has been translates, yeah. then I would un- I would understand it. I mean, that, I would it's, it's kind of funny. If, if, if Strowman had Boyd's contract, I would do that. Sure. You know what I mean? I, I, I think Strowman's a better I think Strowman is a safer bet as a as an acquisition. Maybe he doesn't have the super duper upside, but he's just he seems a lot safer to me than Boyd does. But Boyd has the extra control, and that's what you're paying for. Is the is the super cheap control for the next couple of seasons. And and again, I I would respect the position if you truly believe that what that guy is, been this that for this first half, that's what he's going to be for however long you have him under control. If he's that, then, then it's worth it. Yes. I agree, there, but, 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 you, but you, you, I'm you, not you willing to make that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not willing to make that bet. No, There's too much risk to just assume that. I mean, if you think I, I agree, I mean, if you're obviously if you're, if you're the Braves or any team, you're going to trust your own evaluation of a player. But there is always some risk. Like I have a I have a question for you. Sure. Would you trade for Zach Wheeler right now? I mean, I don't. He just went on the energy list. The medical thing is just like I mean, if you if you. If you trusted your training staff and you thought he was going to be healthy, then sure. See, and he's I'm, probably a better pitcher than the rest of them. Are. I mean, do you think he's the best pitcher available? I, before he got hurt, he was injury. I know. I mean, Scott was that. That was Scott's guy. Yeah, I, I know. Like, he, like his, his, his peripherals have been were really good. He's also never been a guy who's been able to stay healthy. Yeah, he and would, the field. I mean, I, I honestly, I think, I think for me, the guys that I would want to trade for. Just for combination of factors, control and safety, I'm of the mind that I would go after Strowman. Strowman's my guy. I think Strowman's my favorite trade target um, because he's not a rental, and I think he I think he's good. Do I think he's great? No, I don't. But I think he's a good pitcher. I think he's like a number three starter, and with the control, that's the guy I'd trade for. Only because there isn't a guy unless there's someone that is not that's available that we just don't know is available. Maybe there's a, leg- a guy who's better than these guys that's actually available. We don't know it. That's different. But of, of these pitchers that we're talking about, the five guys or so that we know, technically I'm saying no in quotation marks, are available. I think combination of pitcher and contract, I would trade for Stroman if I had to pick. But I, I can understand that. I don't know. I mean, there's no wrong, there's no right or wrong answer, I don't think. I mean, the only – because even Bumgarner, I mean, you could make there's the argument he's the best pitcher. I mean, yeah. Bumgarner's probably the best pitcher out of, the, out, of the, out of this group. He just happens to be a rental. So – there's an argument for and, and, and again, with a weird no trade, yeah, you know, hang up. That there's you, a lot like, of factors. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no question. I'm, I'm just saying, like, just pure performance. Just if you if you ask me, like, which guy of these five do I want on my team for the next three months? It's Bumgarner, I think. It's. I don't even think it's that the slam dunk there. No, like, I'm not saying it's slam dunk. I, 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 that's what I'm saying. I, I think it's like not. I don't think it's a slam dunk. I, I think if you ask me though, take everything else away and pick one of these five guys to just add to the Braves. I think it'd be Bumgarner, but that it's not. I'm not saying it's Bumgarner absolutely slammed the door. I think it's Bumgarner, but the, the problem is people that think that it's an absolute no brainer and he's by far the best option and he's an ace and all this stuff. I don't view him as that. I do think that he'd be the guy I'd choose for safety. I think he's the best pitcher available, but he also has the worst situation because you have a rental plus the no trade weirdness and all that. So, yeah. it just and, adds pro- and I don't and I don't think the prospect price, given his name recognition, is going to be. It, everyone talks about it won't cost much to get him. I that I'm much less. I think if it didn't cost much to get him, they would have traded him already. I, I agree. I think I think they're going to get more than they should, which is you know pro- power to the Giants for getting more than they should. But if I had to ask, if I, if I just I don't to, want the Braves to pay. Yeah, yeah. If I had to guess, they're going to get a return that's going to make people like you shake their heads. 
people that know prospects. I don't. I'm not a prospect expert by any means, but I, I think I can see a Keith Law column coming that says they pay that they overpaid for Mark Massimo, whoever it is, <laughs> whoever it is, whichever team it is. And you know, that, you know if, you're, if you're the Giants, that's what you should try to do. So yeah. You don't, and by the way, you don't have to trade him because the Giants are like semi in the race, which is weird. Another conversation for another time. Um, that's probably enough for now, just because unless you have final thoughts on deadline stuff, just because we've gone longer than I thought. But it, I, I think it's interesting to talk about. You know, I, I'm, I'm not. I, I don't see a lot of people that move the needle a whole bunch. I do see some guys that could have improved the roster. As long as the Braves aren't overpaying, beyond that, I don't. I don't have strong feelings on this on this on this trade class. I don't see a guy that like this is the guy I would target. It's just kind of like him. You know, there's guys that make sense at certain prices, and guys who don't at don't at others. So I hope you know. I hope there's a uh, honestly for the content and for enjoyment and excitement. I hope there's a, someone that we don't see coming that gets traded. Yeah, Granky out of nowhere or something. Granky's you know? available. It's just that he's incredibly expensive. <laughs> yeah, that well, that, yeah, yeah, the Braves take all of his money. You know, then all of a sudden, I mean, if that, he's that, that'll, okay, that'll be by the way, and just just to say this out loud, if he's on the list, he's the best pitcher available. Just to say that out loud, I think I think Ricky's better than Mugar. So yeah, yeah, and he, again, that but that contract he's is just brutal. very expensive. <laughs> yes, I mean that, that's the only. Just to add to the fact that every single one of these pitchers has a weirdness to them. Minor, it's the injury history. Boyd, yes. it's the performance. Stroman is kind of the weird guy in the middle, I guess. Bumgarner's contract, Granky's contract. <laughs> um, yeah, right. there you go. Um, briefly, Eric, before we get out of here, we were, we were going to spend a lot of time on the, on the baseball, but let's talk about the, what happened this week real quickly. The Braves went three and four, which is not an, a disastrous result. It, it got a little uh, dire in the middle when they lost three games in a row, and there was some frustration in the fan base. But I, and I, I, do, I do think the Sunday, the Sunday night baseball win, quelled a lot of the negativity that was going to be out there if they if they lost that game on Sunday night. I will say, um, what were your big takeaways? I mean, uh, my big discussion point that I want to at least talk about at some point is Kevin Gosman. But aside from Kevin Gosman, who, we'll, who I guess we'll finish on. Take anything away from what happened here? I mean, Max Freed leaving, I guess, is something we have to talk about, too. The, the blister stuff with Freed's a little bit scary. I mean, the blister stuff with Freed isn't really, like, a new issue. And uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, that's not a good thing. But at the same time, it's not something I'm, like, super concerned. Like, he's going to be gone the rest of the year. All of a sudden, there's another guy that they have to, you know, figure out who's going to be in the rotation type thing. You know, just kind of, you know, get that blister healed up. And I assume he, he might have to miss another start by the end of the year. But I, I, it's not something that's, like, super concerning. I just kind of felt that the Braves got, like, super unlucky like they were like two bad innings away from being five and two five and two this week so you know they just against Soroka there was a bunch of like you know little bloops and flares and ground balls that found holes and that was like one inning where he was bad and uh, where it was bad and I I don't know it's just I, I didn't I didn't read too much into it. It's just kind of like, well, you're going to get a little bit, un- you're having these little bit unlucky streaks, and there's going to be times where they get you. You know, in that nas- in the national series, for example, there was one game that was terrible, and then you lose a couple game, you lose a close game where th- things didn't really go your way. You win a-, a close game where you had to kind of come back and you know take care of business in the bottom of the ninth, and then in Sunday you 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 throttled them. So it's just kind of, I was glad the split happened because that's four games that then that the the Nationals had against the Braves that they could have used to close a six and a half game gap. And they did not do that. You know, the, as long as you're splitting and kind of holding serve with the, the Nationals, just keep playing the way you have been playing. And it doesn't really matter what the Nationals do. You don't want to, you don't want to get take, you don't want them to take three or four from you or, you know, even sweep you because then things that all of a sudden this turns into a real race in a hurry. But, you know, after that, just kind of, you know, let the, the Phillies who are, are trying their best to kind of hang around, let them try to fight with the Nationals. 
some. The, the Nationals going to have a, are a tougher schedule coming up. You know, I, I feel like that as long as this next series against the Nationals goes reasonably well, it doesn't even have to go like you don't have to sweep the Nationals. If you sweep the Nationals, I think the race might be over. But if the if you can just, you know, not let them gain, gain any significant ground against you over the next week, then I feel pretty good about the Braves' chances. Beyond that, it just felt like there was some, you know, the Braves had gotten lucky in some of their wins. And it felt like some of that was just coming back and, you know, you lose a couple of games that you probably could have won or some things really didn't go your way. But there's still some positive developments you see. You know, Ozzy's playing really well. You, you see the Acuna's kind of starting to wake up a little bit too. So overall, I'm happy that – I'm happy with where the Braves are at. I wasn't super concerned. You know, when you, when you lose some of these games the way they lost them, you know, it just is what it is. Yeah, I agree. I mean, two blowout losses this week. I don't worry too much about those. It's, it's going to happen in baseball and – um, yeah, and they're, they're fine. I mean, three and four this week was not a great result, but considering the competition level, it's not disastrous to lose three out of three out of seven. I'm sorry, four out of seven games to playoff caliber opponents. That's fine. Um, you know, keeping their distance from Washington is fine. They split that series. That worked out just fine. Um, you know, looking ahead, this schedule this week, you know, Kansas City, the two game series we talked about earlier, and then Philly for three. Only a five game week is helpful just to get some rest. Yep. Taking, things full, take, take, taking things full circle from what we talked about earlier in the pod. Having a five-game week is um, always beneficial as we get into the dog days here. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't have grand takeaways. The Braves are still in the 95% range and all the, all the metrics to make the playoffs. Somewhere in the 80s to win the division. They're, they're still in very, very good shape. And uh, there's more time to talk about the sort of the, the nuts and bolts of all of that later on. Um, Kevin, Kevin Gosman, though, is an interesting piece. Um, I've been pro-Kevin Gosman, I think, overall on this podcast last year, um, even before they acquired him. I was pretty high on that move as sort of a buy, buy middle, buy low, kind of. Um, he was obviously bad early on this year, and that kind of led to his uh, you know, whirlwind tour away from the Braves for a couple of months. Um, in fact, he had not, I believe he hadn't started a game since June 10th. He was really good on Sunday. It's, it's one start. But he does have talent, and by the way, um, everyone's favorite stat, his fifth this season is lower than Max Fried's, uh, which is always funny. Um, I, don't, right. I, don't take, I, don't, I don't put too much stock in that, but I do think that even we said this at the time two months ago, I think, I think you and I did and Scott did, his, number, his peripherals were always not as bad as his numbers were this season. Does that mean he's a good pitcher? I, I'm not sure. Um, I think it's possible, though, that he helps you um, and that he's just the guy he was last year. The guy who was last year, even if you include the Orioles stint from last year, he had a sub-4 ERA, and he was better than that with the Braves when he arrived. If he's just the guy he was in 2018 for the full season, and that includes Baltimore, he's a number three or four starter, and that really helps you. So I guess my question to you is, what do we take from this one start, considering it is only one start, but it really it's it's hard not to be a little bit optimistic, even if you had your guard up with him because of how bad he was early on in the season. I mean, I would have preferred to see a breaking ball that would have made what that would have made me, yeah. you know. But <laughs> you know, but he was look. He he was you know supposedly throwing a cutter. Like I I, I didn't I didn't have the chance to watch the game on Sunday, so I couldn't like evaluate like how good his cutter was or anything like that. And the, you know, and if you're looking at game day, I mean, like game days, that's the one pitch that game day can't really identify very well. The the nice thing about a cutter is that it makes your fast. The one thing that's about Gausman, the splitter's always been good. You know what I mean? But he doesn't really throw up for strikes very often. So if you're – and with his fastball, he throws it hard, but he was getting hit hard. You know what I mean? And when you only have those two pitches working for you, if you can pick one and one of them is you know, something that you can really hit hard, then that becomes problematic. But if you have a cutter, it has like super sim- similar action and somewhat similar speed to your fastball, but it gets – it kind of doesn't let the guys – 
you know, right off a splitter. It doesn't necessarily let them sit on their fastball because it's a change of pace pitch too. So I like that as a something in his option. But a, a real, a true breaking ball would make me feel a lot better about Gosman. And like this reporting that you know he's been working on this breaking ball and down in Gwinnett, et cetera, et cetera. You know, at the end of the day, it has to, he has to throw it in the games for me to go okay. You know, he's. He has more of a repertoire than what he had because, you know, being a two-pitch guy what he was early in the year and one of your pitches wasn't very good, that's not going to do it. So am I am I happy that he performed well? Absolutely. He looked he looked awesome on, you know, from, from everything I understand, he looked really good on Sunday. But it's also something where I'm like, you know, the repertoire is going to have to be there because major league hitters are really, really good. And you're going to have to be able to change pace and be able to fool them a little bit rather than let them sit on something so they can tee off on you. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not going to claim to be a pitching expert. So you know, one start of Kevin Gosman, I can look at his pitch FX and I can watch with my eyes for one start, but I, I can't draw conclusions in a way that a lot of people could. So I will not claim to be that kind of expert, and we'll see how he looks in the future. But again, you know, pedigree wise, there is some reason to believe that he can be a helpful major league pitcher, and if that's just what he is, that would be huge. I mean, it is not it does yeah. not take away from the need the Braves still have for upgrades, but you know. Having Gosman be solid would be helpful. Um, I don't know. That's kind of all I have. It's not really a hot take or anything, but uh, that's until we see more, that's where I will uh, stay with it um, for now, I guess. Yep. Only only thing I want to add, and it kind of folds back into the trade deadline stuff, I think if Fulte has one more good start in Oof, Gwinnett, yeah. I, I think it's likely that the Braves wouldn't trade for a starter, and that is... I don't know if concerning is the word I would use. I mean, Fulte's the ultimate wild card. Actually, I'm glad you brought it up because we haven't talked about him on the podcast yet today. He's the wild card because, I mean, not not everybody needs to be reminded, but he was the team's number one pitcher last year by by a wide margin and was an all-star and was good. And I'm I'm not sure that you can rely on that, but if he's a major league quality starting pitcher, it'd be a lot easier for the Braves to attack this deadline because you you can kind of shift your focus maybe to the bullpen or – maybe not have as much urgency, but that's an internal evaluation thing for the Braves with Fulte. I have not seen Fulte in Gwinnett. Maybe you have because you watch minor league baseball more than I do. Um, but, you know, he's the guy who, you know, Gosville was one weird dynamic here. Then you have Julio, and then you have Fultonavich. Those are the guys are, I mean, we know what Soroka is. Freed has not been great lately, but we know he's going to be around the rotation. Everything else including all the young guys we haven't talked about from Kyle Wright on down, who was awful in his start this week. Um, everything else is up in the air, and it's, it comes down to internal evaluation because if, if they think that Fulte is going to be a useful piece down the stretch, then maybe they don't stray for somebody. And I don't love that, but it comes down to what they think about their own guy. I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, he's looked okay in Gwinnett, I would say. I'll, 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 do, I'll defer to you on that one, my friend. Well, I mean, look, he, the – the start before his last start, he gave up he gave up four runs in five innings on nine hits, and that's obviously not great. But then the start afterwards, you know, only four hits, gave up one run, you know, struck out six in six innings. So again, there's just at the end of the day, what I've been saying for a while, I'm not sold that Fulte is completely healthy. And, you know, the, the bone spur thing in his elbow is is kind of a known issue. And if he can't throw his slider reliably for strikes in a way that also doesn't get him teed off on, then that's a really tough sell for me. It really is. Now, but that, that's that's literally, I mean, the fastball still looks okay, and you, you'd think that if he has that slider working for him and he can fool people and it doesn't back up on him, then, you know, he's a really good pitcher. But if he doesn't have it, he 
I don't think he has you know a changeup or you know a backup plan that he can keep people off his fastball. And this is a league that will punish that. You know, he is the type of stuff that if he's not on, then he will give up home runs. He will like it will not be pretty. So that I agree with you. It's just kind of an evaluation. The Braves have to decide. Do we think this the, the guy that we are who is working down in Gwinnett and I, I and is working hard to get back to the form that he was at? Will that guy exist in a way that is productive for this team? Because if he is, then I don't think the urgency for getting another starter is as high. But if he's not, and you're not sure, then I think that you make a move, and I think that will tell us a lot about what's going on with Fulte going forward too. Yeah, if, if it's me, uh, again, with limited information, I am not going to let Fulte dictate my plans, but I don't have the information. So um, I, I am going to trade for a starting pitcher if, if there's a reasonable deal out there. I think it's a priority. I think it should be one. The bullpen is also something somewhere they need to upgrade, which is why all of the theoretical Will Smith Bumgarner combination packages have been out there forever. And now it's you know now Ken Giles is out there apparently um, as a Strowman comparison. Um, but yeah, it's they need both. If it's me, if you want to win the World Series this year, you need both, and that, that's that's my opinion for now. Because other than Sforzak, there's not been a lot of uh, great bullpen work happening either, which we can say for another day. Uh, but Indeed. I don't know, man. It's um, they need some stuff, but I don't want to be too negative because they're also really good at baseball this year. The Braves have been very, very, very good. Um, it also comes with a different conversation because very good versus uh, can beat the Dodgers reasonably in a series is different. <laughs> so that's uh, it's not just and, the Dodgers either. It's obviously if you if you beat the Dodgers because uh, it's baseball and that can happen, you still gotta, you still have to go win, win one more series to win your actual goal. So. The high-level conversations are just different. We all kind of are acknowledging right now the Braves are very, very, very good. Um, and that's a great spot to be in. They're better than I thought they were going to be this year. No question about it. I was wrong about this team. They're better than I thought. Um, but now we talk about different stuff. And it's, it's an expectation game, but it's also one where we're going to frame conversations, at least I am, through can they win the World Series? And let's move, help, them, help them win the World Series. I think for now, they're a huge division favorite for a reason. They have a cushion, and they're very good. And now we see what happens now. Yep, and it's all just cost-benefit analysis because at the end of the day, does Marcus Stroman make you – how much more likely does that make you beat to beat the Dodgers in the series or to advance in the playoffs? Because I think that – It helps the, you, but not play- that much? I don't know. Yeah, um, it's, it's tough. Here's the thing. Uh, other than Mike Soroka, you, who do you trust on, on the mound for six innings in a playoff game? Right now, just 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 run Soroka out there, like you know, give him the Bumgarner treatment. Just run him out there for three games of the series, and you know, just get in the wayback machine and have him out there every day. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. If I could, if shout, I would. Shouts to Mike Soroka, your your uh, your guy forever. Always. If nothing, always. If nothing else, you nailed that uh, um, at the highest degree. So congratulations again. <laughs> oh, I oh, I was dug in on that one for a while. You, you know, be, be, being right in Acuna helps a little bit too. But you know, that that wasn't as. That, that wasn't as much of a reach because, I mean, anyone who actually watched that guy play. Yeah, he's a stud, uh, quite obviously. All right, man. Well, we've done enough. We've done longer than I thought, as we always end up doing. But, Eric, any, anything else, anything going on in uh, in your world? Anything you've been writing or anything we should be looking out for? Uh, other than Road to Atlanta, which uh, should you, you're you already subscribed to, hopefully. If you're subscribed to this feed, you will also get Road to Atlanta. But if you're not subscribed, please go ahead and do that. But other than, other than Road to Atlanta, which is always fun, anything else, go, any, anything else you got going on or uh, Twitter or anything else? Uh, no, nothing really in the works. Just kind of like – Wait and see what's going on with the trade deadline. We had our prospect list roll out, which was a lot of fun and a lot of work. Uh, a lot of changes, guys from the draft that are in there now. So that was kind of our big project. Uh, you can follow the podcast at Road to Number Two Atlanta 
on Twitter, and that, that podcast generally comes out every Thursday or Friday. Uh, for whatever reason, I've, I forgot to post it on Thursday night this, uh, this past time, and I had to post it on Friday. But I saw, one, uh, I saw it one up during the day, and I was wondering when you recorded that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, I'd recorded it a little bit earlier in the week, but and I just had forgotten to post it. But yeah, you know, generally, ger- generally it's a later in the week podcast versus the the this one, which is comes out generally at the beginning of the week. Uh, we talk about podcast, we talk about prospects, and we've been doing a lot of mailbag type stuff, which is I think we're going to continue to do. We like doing that. Allows for a lot of varied topics, and you know, as opposed to just talking to the same about the same four guys every week. So. It's you know it's it's a lot of fun. Make sure you're follow, you're you're listening to that podcast. We really enjoy making it. And you know after that we're just kind of you know, a bit of a holding pattern and kind of seeing what things what's going on and how things are going to play out down in the minor leagues because there's a lot of interesting things happening, particularly with the lack of roster movement. And I'm not sure how that's going to be fixed. So we're kind of keeping an eye on that. Yep, uh, plenty of content coming in the future. Um, just for people's um, planning purposes, I am uh, planning to record a new pod. And my normal Sunday night time slot next week. Um, if there's a trade before then, we'll see when it hits and how it hits. I'm on the road, but we'll see if I can react. And if not, we are going to record Sunday, um, and maybe we'll force a trade into existence by our recording. We have a pretty funny um, track record when it comes to uh, deals hitting right after we record on Monday. So yep, uh, we, yep. are, we are going to record Monday's Sunday. Usually the day. And then uh, after that, um, Depending on when the uh, if, when a deal or deals hit, I will come back and record content. So we'll have plenty in the future between this pod, Road to Atlanta, etc. Please subscribe to this show, and that gets you both um, right in the same feed. So go ahead and do that, Eric. Thank you for joining me as always, my friend. And uh, no we'll problem. do it again very soon, as um, often. Oh, absolutely. Everybody else, again, one more time, subscribe. One more time, subscribe. Subscribe, rate, review, all that stuff, and we'll see everybody at the very least 